Well, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us, whether it's in person uh, or watching with us online. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Ben. If we haven't gotten a chance to meet, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background information about who I am, uh, so it's not a stranger up here on stage speaking to you this morning. Uh, Pastor Don and Pastor Shane are both away on a well-earned vacation. Again, uh, whenever they go away, I like to pray for rain wherever they happen to vacation. So if you want to join me in doing that, feel free to do that. No, that's bad. Don't do that. Uh, We're not going to do that this morning. Uh, But my name is Pastor Ben. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here at Oakwood Community Church, which means I have the pleasure of working with our middle school students, our high school students, and our college-age students. That doesn't mean I don't get to talk uh, to all the older folks as well, but those are the kids that I get to invest in on a daily and weekly basis. Uh, And I'm so thankful for that opportunity. I'm thankful uh, that I'm joined by a group of adult leaders who get to pour into the students here at this church. Uh, So I just want to stop and say thank you for allowing us to do that. Uh, Thank you for enabling us to be able to make that ministry something that happens here at Oakwood. So thank you guys so much. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm married. Uh, Me and my wife's second year anniversary is coming up in one week, two weeks? Two weeks, one week, kind of one week. It's like a week and a half. Uh, I get, yeah, there we go, thank you. Uh, if you choose to pray for our marriage, please pray for my poor wife because she has to deal with me. So uh, that's coming up pretty quickly. Uh, we're also parents to a dog. I'm a dog dad. Uh, we have a little dog named Moses. He's not really a little dog anymore. He's kind of a regular-sized dog, uh, but we love him to death. Uh, does anybody's dog, can you admit, will sleep on your pillow with you? All right, one honest person in the room. Great, love to see that. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we have a dog that we absolutely love. Uh, and it's one of my great pleasures that occasionally on a Sunday morning, I get to be up here and share a message with you from God's Word. Uh, and as a Christian, I believe that the Bible is God's message to each and every one of us. And if we truly believe that this morning, then I can't think of anything more important than opening that and trying to figure out exactly what God's message is for us this morning. So if you would, please just bow your head and pray with me as we jump in. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here this morning. We thank you for each and every one of the people that is here, whether they are in person or whether they're watching with us online. As we spend time diving into your message for us this morning, Father, we just invite you into this place. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be sitting here this morning, Father. And we know there's a message that you want us to hear. So, Father, help us to open our ears and our heart to that this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Well, when when PD was giving me uh, ahead of time notice that I was going to be on stage teaching this morning, uh, he said, we've been in the book of Revelation, uh, but we're going to have you do something different so we get a bit of a break. Uh, The book of Revelation can kind of be heavy. It can be sometimes a lot. There's a lot of symbolism, and sometimes it can feel a little bit like you're trudging through deep waters. So he said, it'll be great to give the people a little break from the heavy stuff. And I said, great, let's talk about fasting, which again, if you know where we're going this morning, uh, hopefully we're not going to be weighing you down too much this morning, but hopefully we'll be able to get a little bit of an overview of what fasting is. But in order to do that, I want us to start with a a definition that we can use working, moving forward. Uh, Because if you've never heard of fasting before or you don't know exactly what fasting is, I want to make sure that we have something to mark what fasting is for us. And in the tradition that I grew up in, the church tradition, uh, we didn't talk about fasting all that much. 
It was something maybe that we read about in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Uh, maybe someone would mention that they had fasted, but it wasn't something that we had taught from stage very often. It wasn't something that we had really dived into as a church body together on a Sunday morning. Uh, so that's part of the reason why we're doing that this morning. Our working definition for fasting is this. Fasting is a spiritual discipline in which we restrict certain earthly activities so that we are able to dedicate ourselves to heavenly activities. Fasting is simply put a spiritual discipline in which we restrict certain earthly activities so that we are able to dedicate ourselves to heavenly activities. And historically, fasting was something that the Jewish people would have done on a really consistent basis. It oftentimes had to do with food restriction. Uh, So whether it was 24 hours, 12 hours, uh, they would stop eating food and drink mostly only water for that period of time. This was something that they did to help mark their Sabbath day. This was something they did to help mark their festivals and their holidays. This was something they did to lament if they needed to mourn. Uh, It was something that the Jewish people would have done regularly. This was something that they would have understood that if they said, hey, we're going to fast today, they would have known exactly what that meant. But this morning as we explore this concept, I don't want to limit us just to this idea of food. I don't want to limit us just to this idea that when we fast, we fast from eating things. For some of us, maybe our fast looks like uh, giving up video games for a week. For some of us, as we talk this morning, and as you think through what your life looks like, maybe fasting means instead of reading your books that you normally read, you, you fast from your books that you normally read. For some of us, uh, maybe it's fasting from exercise for a given period of time. Can anybody get on board with that one? Yeah? All right, a few of us can get on board with that one. But I don't know exactly what that would look like for you in your life, but as we speak this morning, I just want you guys to start to think through, what does uh, your life, what is it comprised of? Do you spend a lot of time reading? Do you spend a lot of time listening to music? Do you spend a lot of time doing video games or exercising or watching sports? What is your day made up of? Because when we talk about giving up earthly activities so that we can focus on heavenly activities, it doesn't just need to be restricted to what we eat. It can be so much and so many other things as well. But I do want to give us a word of caution just from the beginning. Some church traditions in the past have used fasting as a way to punish their bodies. They looked at their their body as a kind of sinful thing, and fasting was a way for them to punish it. If they were to sin or if they were to make a mistake, uh, they would restrict their food for a certain given amount of time because that was their way of uh, getting penance for doing that. They would do that in order to punish themselves. But if we talk about fasting today and you've taken fasting into something, into an area where it becomes unhealthy for you, fasting is no longer what it's meant to be biblically. If you're fasting in a way that hurts your body, in a way that uh, is then dishonoring to God, that's not the fasting that we want to talk about this morning. And just as we jump away from the definitions this morning, my wife, when I was talking about fasting, she says, well, isn't fasting just, you know, when we eat only fast food? And I was like, well, maybe one version of it. Uh, But our culture around us has all kinds of fasts that they do because they uh, have found that fasting actually comes with health benefits. There are things called intermittent fasting where they eat only certain periods of the day. Uh, There's some crazy diets. I heard of one called the ice cream fast. Does anybody know what the ice cream fast is? 
you don't eat anything except ice cream, which again, if we're talking about ones that we can get on board with, I think that one could be pretty easy. Uh, But our world has adopted these things that they call fasting, but we as Christians can certainly gain a lot of spiritual benefits from fasting as well. So today, uh, before we jump in too much into the Bible, I want us just to take a look at what we as people struggle with both in our culture and with our sin nature. Because I think when we start to identify the things that we struggle with, it'll help us understand why fasting can be important in the first place. So the first thing is this. Our sin nature pushes us to consume in excess. Whether that is food, whether that is exercise, whether that is shopping, whether that is, oh, that was a little bit too close to home, sorry. Whether that is watching sports, we love to consume things in excess. Uh, We love to watch movie after movie. We love to binge shows on Netflix. We love uh, to go on target, Target shopping sprees. Anybody? All right. But we're very familiar with what it looks like to consume in excess, especially in the country that we live in and especially in the culture that we grew up in. I think we're all pretty familiar with that. But if we're not careful, if we just continue this cycle of consuming and consuming and over-consuming, what can happen is that we can fill our life to the point where we don't make room for God. If we're only focused on consumption, we'll forget to make room in our life for God. The second thing that I want us to talk about in terms of our sin nature, the culture that we wrestle with as people is this. Inconvenience is something to be avoided. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely hate when my life gets inconvenienced. I'm a different person when I'm driving and I hit traffic and the lanes are supposed to merge. I don't know what's so difficult about one car, then the next car, then the next car. But when I hit that traffic, it's an inconvenience for me. It's something that I wasn't planning for in my day. I don't know if it's when the person at Starbucks gets your order wrong, uh, or maybe it's when one of our our children decides that they're going to do something that isn't ideal at a certain time, and that just feels like an inconvenience to us. And what happens is we get comfortable in our life. Anything that gets listed as an inconvenience is something that we try to avoid outright. The next thing, we surround ourselves with buffers and distractions. This can be food, this can be sports, this can be reading, this can be exercising. But what happens is we fill our lives with these things that allow us to not feel pain. We surround ourselves with these things that allow us to be able to put off the heavenly things that we sometimes need to address. And if we're not careful, these buffers, these distractions will lead us to a place where we can become numb and avoid altogether God's calling on our life. If our our world is only about these buffers and distractions, we can miss the challenges and the callings that God calls us to. And the last one before we jump into Scripture this morning is this. We're attracted to instant results. I'll be honest this morning and say that I love Taco Bell. But if the time that I order my food to the time that I get my food is any more than three minutes, I'm starting to be like, okay, what's going on here? Why am I still in line? We're a culture that has grown up now with smartphones. And with the single tap of a button, we can call someone, we can email someone, we can see someone's face in front of us. We're used to instant results. 
Just this week, me and my wife had our internet kind of go in and out and in and out, and we weren't sure what it was, but the fact that I couldn't instantly find what I wanted to find, instantly get the information that I wanted to get, became a problem for me. But what happens is we become numb to God's timing in our life because we're so used to everything happening instantly. This morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I would just invite you to open up there with me. Uh, But I want us just to take a second to get in the mindset of the people who we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, These Jewish people had a hard time understanding God's calling in their life. They had a hard time with uh, consumption consuming this, this endless cycle of consuming more and more. These people had difficulty with inconveniences that they were facing on a daily basis. These people had filled their lives with buffers and distractions. So we just need to take a second to try to identify with that because I know that can be foreign for us. So let's read together Isaiah 58 and we'll, we'll talk, but let's, let's read this together. It says, Cry aloud, Do not hold back. Lift your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions. To the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask for me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. They say, why have we fasted? And you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I have chosen, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the day and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, and pointing the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be noonday. And the Lord will guide you continuously and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall be raised up on the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn your back, your foot from the Sabbath, and doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, 
and the day, the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not giving your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride in the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think our definition holds up. Fasting is restricting certain earthly activities so that we are able to dedicate ourselves to heavenly activities. And what happens in this passage is God is, through his prophet, confronting his people because they've decided that fasting is going to be their way of showing God how holy they are. They've chosen fasting as something that they're going to do as an outward expression of how much they have life figured out. And I think that we need to be careful because if we're not careful, we'll fall into the same categories they will. Because it pretty quickly becomes apparent that fasting was never meant for it to be just an outward expression of our faith, but it was really more about the heart of the people who were doing it. It becomes pretty clear that the people in this passage are, are coming to God and saying, well, we're doing the things that we think that we should be doing. We're, we're fasting. We're showing people how holy we are. We're doing uh, kind of these spiritual disciplines. But it becomes very quickly apparent that their heart is not in the right place. Jesus comes up against this same issue. People in his day are misusing fasting. So we'll turn to Matthew six sixteen and we'll read that as well. It says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees it in secret will reward you. Once again, these people are only fasting because they believe it's a way to show others how holy they are. They're fasting because they believe that if they fast, if they do something outwardly and they show people how, how much they're trying, then that's what God is looking for in their spiritual walk. But it becomes really clear that it's never been about the outward appearance. And at this point, we need to stop and just talk about what spiritual disciplines are meant to be, because if we're not careful, we can fall into the same camp. Spiritual disciplines, if we're not careful, can be us just straining, right? We're just like, oh, I'm going to be a better Christian. If I only spend more time in prayer, then I will be a better Christian, right? If I only spend more time reading my Bible, then I will be a better Christian, If I only spend hours and hours fasting, then I'll be a better Christian. But this morning, I want to make sure that as we talk about what the benefits of fasting can be, that we start from the proper place. Because if your heart is not tuned into what it's meant to be tuned in, we will miss the entire part, point. We'll be like the people in these passages that we just read. We don't practice spiritual disciplines to make us more holy. (gasps) What? Did he say that? We don't practice spiritual disciplines to show others how good we are. We don't practice spiritual disciplines to become better Christians. 
And if we're doing those things for any of those reasons, we've missed the point. Because spiritual disciplines have always been about seeking God. If I pray, it's because I want more of God. If I spend time in silence, it's because I want to seek God more intentionally. If I give to the poor, it's, it's not because I want uh, the reward for doing that. It's not because I want people to see that I'm giving to the poor. It's because I want to be more like Jesus. I want to experience him in a more full way. If we do any of the things that we call spiritual disciplines just because we want to become more holy, just because we want to become better Christians, we've done it for the wrong reason. We have to do it so that we become more like Jesus because we just want him so badly. I pray because I want Jesus. I fast because I want Jesus. I love others because I love God first. So this morning we have to start with that foundation or we'll be starting in the wrong place. And again, these are people who walked with Jesus. These are people uh, who were uh, God's chosen people that struggled with this as well. So we're not alone. Matthew 4 says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I love that. The Bible stops to tell us Jesus was hungry after not eating for 40 days. And the tempter came to him. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It was clear that when Jesus was uh, in the wilderness preparing for his ministry, he had his heart in the right place. He wasn't fasting so that people around him could see how holy he was. This wasn't an outward display of how good of a Christian Jesus was. This was something that was between him and God. His heart was focused on getting closer to God. With that mindset this morning, I want us to start to take a look at what fasting can do for us. If we're coming from the right place, if our heart's in the right place, then fasting can be a great spiritual tool. Firstly, fasting forces us into moderation and self-discipline. The very concept of fasting is taking things away so that we can focus on our time with Jesus. Fasting is all about restricting so that we can practice moderation and self-discipline. The question that we have to ask ourselves here is, can I humble myself to the point where I could fast for maybe 12 or 24 hours? Could I humble myself to the point where I can give up reading the books that I love? Can Can I humble myself to the point where I can give up listening to music? Can I humble myself to the point where I can fill in the blank for you. But again, we have to do this with the right heart. Secondly, fasting requires us to be uncomfortable. Avoiding food becomes uncomfortable really quickly. Uh, The Bible tells us Jesus was hungry. I don't know if you guys are hungry, but uh, my wife will tell you that I get hangry, right? But what happens is when we're uncomfortable, our heart gets revealed. 
when we're uncomfortable, whether it's from not eating or avoiding the music that we love to listen to or not going for that run that we do every single day, what happens is we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And oftentimes in our uncomfort, our heart is revealed. Oftentimes when I fail to love my wife the way that I'm supposed to, it's in the times that I'm uncomfortable. Oftentimes when I, when I don't love others the way that I'm supposed to, it's because I'm in a situation where I don't feel comfortable. But what we find is as we follow Jesus, Jesus will call us into discomfort. Jesus will call us into hard situations. Jesus will call us into a place where we're not comfortable. Fasting allows us to hyper-focus on our relationship with God. When we fast, it's not so that we can just spend time sitting on the couch, right? It's like, oh, I'll get on board with not exercising as long as I can just sit on the couch and watch TV. Or I can get on board with not reading my books that I love if I can just, you know, spend time talking with my friends and family. I can give up food if I can spend that time uh, preoccupied with other things. But really, if we're doing fasting the biblical way, the way that it was meant to be done, we do it with the idea of giving something up so that we can focus on God. If we're not eating, we spend that time maybe in prayer. If we're not reading the books that we love, maybe we spend that time in silence with God. If we're not taking a lunch break at work to eat, maybe we're spending that time volunteering, serving other people. We're substituting earthly activities for heavenly ones. For me, it's usually when I drive, where I get in this zone where I not really thinking about other things. I'm, I'm just locked into what I'm doing. For some of you, I'm sure it's when you're playing your musical instrument that you're completely locked in. Maybe for you, it's when you're at work. And it becomes easy to tune out the distractions. It becomes easy to not focus on the things that are happening around us because we're hyper-focused. And fasting allows us to do that. Every time we think about how much food we, we want to eat, it's, it's one of those things where it brings us back to what we're focused on. Every time we're tempted to go play a video game, it, it brings us back to the understanding that I'm setting that aside for now so that I can focus on God, and that allows us to hyper-focus. Fasting ensures that we rely on God. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love food. I, I love uh, the things that I fill my day with. I, I love uh, sometimes going for a run. Uh, I love playing video games. I love reading. Uh, I love a lot of things. But the question that fasting requires us to ask is, what do I depend on? What do I place my faith in? Many days it's food. Many days it's fill in the blank for yourself. Because it forces us to ask the question, do I rely on God or do I rely on these things that I fill my life with? Do I rely on God or do I rely on consumption? Lastly, fasting has to be done with a purpose. We don't fast just to fast. We don't fast because we think we need to lose a few pounds. We don't fast spiritually because we want to spend that time getting good at a different hobby. We fast because we want to draw closer to Jesus. And in the Bible, we read a couple passages about people who were misusing fasting. 
their purpose wasn't a holy one. They, they wanted God to respond to them in their prayers. They wanted God to uh, see them as this holy people, but they were neglecting the things that they were supposed to be doing while they were fasting. They had eliminated the earthly activities, but they didn't pick up the heavenly activities. So when we fast, we have to do it with a purpose. If we boil the truth down this morning to one simple phrase or sentence, it would be this. Fasting reveals that the physical life of God's people is less important than the spiritual life of God's people. Fasting reveals that the physical life of God's people is less important than the spiritual life of God's people. This becomes very literal when we give up food because we're understanding that this physical need that we have is not as great as our spiritual need for God. When we give up the things that we enjoy filling our day with, it recognizes that those things pale in comparison. They're nowhere near as important as our desire and our need for God. And fasting becomes a very concrete way for us to show this. So as we close this morning, I just want to make sure you guys understand a little bit of why a Christian maybe would fast or why we'd want to fast. I want us to turn to Matthew 9, 14 through 15, because I believe the Bible points us to the fact that it's assumed that Christians will fast. So Matthew 9, verse 14 says this, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, the Pharisees, fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can a wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. What Jesus is saying in this passage is he's talking to one of the religious leaders of the time, and they're saying, Okay, we're fasting. Why is it that your followers aren't fasting? What's going on there? And Jesus simply says, While I'm here with them, they have no need to fast. They have no need to pursue me in that way because right now they're pursuing me in the flesh. They see me every day. We speak to one another while we're here on this earth. But when I am no longer on this earth, they'll pursue me in that way. So I believe the Bible tells us that a Christian will fast. Fasting has to be between a Christian and God. If fasting is between you and your spouse, if fasting is between you and the people that you see at church, if you come to church with a face that's like, oh boy, I'm so tired and sad, right? And then fasting is no longer about you and God. It's become about you and other people. Fasting is done in conjunction with the other spiritual disciplines. Oftentimes it's prayer. As we eliminate things from our life, we usually fill that with time with God. We fill that with the spiritual disciplines that each of us practice, hopefully, on a weekly and daily basis. So this morning, I just want to challenge you guys with this. Identify your fast. I don't know if that's specifically for you food. It certainly could be. I don't know if your fast this week should be from reading I don't know if you guys got excited about fasting from exercise, but I'll remind you, you can't fast from something you're not doing ahead of time already. Identify your fast. 
Do you need to fast from the music you listen to? Do you need to fast? Do you need to spend some time giving up your lunch breaks so you can serve others? What, what fast can you do this week? And again, I would encourage you, this is a beautiful spiritual discipline. This is something that if it's done correctly, you can interact with God in a way that maybe you've never done before. That focus is something that comes through giving up earthly activities in place for heavenly ones. And simply put, we need to learn to empty ourselves so that we can fill ourselves with Jesus. When we make room in our life for Jesus, we'll never be disappointed. When we give up these earthly things for these heavenly activities, ultimately, if we do them with the right heart, we'll never be disappointed. As we conclude our times this, uh, together this morning, I just want to encourage you guys, uh, with any spiritual discipline, make sure your heart's in the right place. It's as simple as that. Sometimes we think that if we come to Jesus and we just want to be better Christians, that's the right motivation. Sometimes if we come to Jesus and we, we just want to be a little bit holier, that's the right motivation. But the passages that we read this morning make it pretty clear that if we're going to do these spiritual disciplines, we need to do it with the purpose of seeking God. Not for our own benefit, not for making us better people or better Christians or people who are going to uh, be holier so we can puff out our chest and say, ooh, look at me, I fasted this week. I did a social media fast, right? How, how good of a Christian I am. But if our heart's in the right place, hopefully we'll be pursuing Jesus with a pure heart. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship team back on stage uh, so that we can close you in song this morning. Uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. As we uh, read your word, as we start to talk about this conversation on fasting, we just ask that you'd be glorified through our spiritual disciplines. Ultimately, Father, we just ask that you would help to make sure our heart is correct. Fasting can be something that's beautiful. It can be something that we get to celebrate in as Christians. It can help us to hyper-focus on our relationship with you, but only if we come at it from the right angle, only if our heart is in the right place. So, Father, this morning, we just ask that you would change our heart. I don't know if there are people in this room who haven't come to know you, but, Father, I just ask that you would put it on their heart. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.